you're going to save money if you invest in the beginning to have a cohesive on-point team and a, and a good working environment because people are going to stay longer. Welcome to another episode of the Burnt Chef Journal hosted by myself, Chris Hall, the founder of the Burnt Chef Project. Today's guest is Joseph Workman, who has written a series of guides free for the restaurant industry. And he joins us to talk about how he has produced these guides, including subjects such as physical politeness, interview clarity, and mise en place. And thank you for joining us. So welcome, Joseph, to the uh, Burnt Chef Journal podcast. How are you doing? Uh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, no problem at all. Thank you very much for joining us. So you're joining us all the way over in America. Whereabouts in America are you? Just below the United States, uh, Mexico City. Well, thank you very much for coming on. And you know, give the listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with yourself uh, a brief lowdown. Who are you? Where have you come from? And uh, what are you doing now? Thanks. Uh... I am, I love, one of, my, one of my favorite things in the world is when people, two or more people can work together while getting something worthy done, whatever it is, and you work together exceedingly well. And I think almost everybody knows what that feels like in, in some level, whether at work or with your family or just one other person. Uh, when you get something done and it's smooth, you feel that, that goodness. And that's the way I would like work to be. And that's the way I think restaurants can be. I think restaurants are magical, beautiful places. And they also can be a living hell because of lack of knowledge, intention, mismanagement. But they can be amazing, amazing places. And um, I made a free online restaurant operations course for frontline workers, management owners to, trans to, to make whole systems change in your restaurant, to transform your restaurant to a very high level world class place whether you have burgers and pizzas, uh, um, your casual dining, your high-end expensive restaurant, doesn't matter, to transform your operation a place, into a workplace that works for all, including the owner and, and the workers and management and everyone. And Yeah, I mean, we'll dig into a little bit more about the, uh, the resources that you've put together, because I think a lot of people will be quite interested in hearing about that. But uh, give us a little bit of backstory. Where, uh, sort of, how did you fall into hospitality? Uh, my first, my first job was just a 16 working at, um, uh, what was it, even Roy Rogers, Roy Rogers uh, Burger Place. And um, that was brief. Um, but after I moved out of my, my home at 18, I fell into Domino's Pizza. They were growing very, very quickly. And it, it was a great opportunity to own your own, uh, to, to franchise, to own your own uh, Domino's Pizza store or several. And I was rocketing my way up uh, very quickly. And I loved what I was doing and I was going to be my family's first millionaire. Um, I, and then some transformational thing happened to me where I, I didn't care about making a bunch of money. And, and I, I cared about, it's going to sound weird, but I cared about humanity. And I said, how can I, what's life all about? There's so much suffering. How can I help? So long story short, I spent the next 20 years or so uh, traveling around the country, getting odd jobs, dishwasher, cook, prep because those are easy jobs to get, and a lot of other different non-food service jobs. And so I realized that there are the same complaints everywhere you go about coworkers, managers, processes, and procedures that don't make sense, that are against you as a human being, and also against you, against the thing you're trying to accomplish. So it's very, for, so for mental health, that's not, a, that's not a good environment. There are some great places to work, some great restaurants, a handful, I think, but a lot of them are very hard. 
So I re-entered society, bringing the things that I've learned about life and restaurant experience. And, um, and um, then I, I made the, the operations, the restaurant operations course. Nice. So from the sound of things, you've been in quite a few, uh, few different environments within hospitality, hey? Yeah. Yep. Except for restaurant owner. I have owned some small, like one, two person enterprises. I don't know what it's like to have the burden of, a, of, 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 of an entire restaurant and owning a restaurant on my shoulders. But I do know about management and I do know a lot about all the positions of a frontline worker. Yeah. So just, uh, I mean, give us some indications. Consider us green to the hospitality industry and sort of, we, you know, we're looking at getting into it. I'm in, interested to see from your perspective what the sort of negative aspects of hospitality, the most damaging aspects of hospitality are, and then we can move on to the, you know, the ones that are doing it right and are providing a better environment for hospitality workers. Great. Um, I think, I don't know, but I imagine like many young people before they enter the workforce, there, there might be kind of an assumption that things are gonna make sense. You show up, you, you work, you, you're a conscientious worker and the sky's the limit as if you, as far as your ambition and, and work ethic and things, it's the adult world and things make sense. Well, and then people who've been in the workforce for any amount of time say, oh no, like a lot of jobs just don't make sense. Yeah. And so that's true for the restaurant industry also. The restaurant industry is a little bit uh, special, uh, well, in two ways. One, they can be fantastic, beautiful places to work. You're side by side, shoulder to shoulder with other people. You need to get something done now. You're cooking for other people. It's fantastic. But also there's hot, there's, there's sharp knives, hot liquids, speeds, complexity, and it all needs to come together to that perfect, beautiful, great tasting dish and present it to your customer. All these moving parts needs to come together. And it's people put people kind of condescend towards restaurant workers, but um, I've had a lot of different jobs and a lot of different fields and uh, it takes, you can have no formal education, you know, not a fancy person. And, but it takes some, takes some real skills. So some of the problems, well, let's see, I guess uh, on, the, on your day off, in your day off and the manager nine out of 10 times will call you say, Oh, can you come in? Can you come in, buddy? Hey, thanks. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And I feel sorry for the managers, you know, to, to be in that position. And so that's not good for your mental health to, ah, here's my day off. Oh, God. To say no is stressful to you, too, because, oh, no. Also, there's a ethos. There's a thing where if you want to make it, you don't complain. And there, there's, 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 valid, there's validity to this way of thinking, some validity. You don't complain, you show up and whatever it takes, and you're and then that's how you make it. There's some validity to that, but that often means you can just be ex they can exploit the heck out of you. Very unhealthy working conditions, not safe, but then you could maybe you can maybe you can make it. So that's that's you can have an expectation of people not val not valuing you. Um, we're expected to get two weeks notice. That's fair. That's good. But you, you don't, when do we ever get uh, two weeks notice if we get fired? Yeah. There's a great emotion. There's a lot of sexual, um, subtle and not subtle, gross sexual exploitation coupled with oftentimes, not everywhere, 
but a very aggressive, violent type of, even if it's not physically violent, there's subtle, there can be subtle physical violence, but very aggressive workplace. You got the sexual harassment, plus you got the aggressive of environments, people yelling, just screaming, uh, chefs or managers or cooks or dishwashers, anyone just, you know, when you're a comedian once said, when you're honking your horn in traffic, just laying on the horn, clearly that person has run out of options. Yeah, not making fun of them. Clearly they run out of options in their own mind. So when in the, in the, in the workplace and restaurants and people are just white hot, just like screaming, that person has, uh, it's not a mentally healthy environment for that person or anyone. And they're, they're, they run out of options. There's a lot more we can go through, but it's a, it can be a beautiful world, but it's a very strange world if you're not familiar, familiar with it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the, the uh, I don't know, the prefix to anyone coming into hospitality is usually a quick Google and uh, or they go onto YouTube and they'll see, you know, big name chefs like Gordon Ramsay slamming down people on a regular basis, whether that's through, you know, trash talking, talking down behavior or just aggressive nature. Um, and it does seem to be sort of and it's something that I think is dying out a lot, but is also quite prevalent in not just restaurants and businesses in the UK, but but worldwide. You know, it's it seems to be a, a language. But the Burnt Chef Project and the Burnt Chef Journal is here to try and, I think, educate not just individuals, but also managers in the fact that there is a better way of doing things. Um, I mean, just from your experience, the so we'll take the toxic environment first, the environments that are perhaps culturally quite unhealthy. What's the impact of the, that to long-term for the business owners and the, the profitability of the business? Well, I think as, a, as a, any, any manager or owner would know, turn, turnover is high. And wouldn't it behoove the restaurant owner to have people stay longer, enjoy working there? Um, so that's one of the consequences. Um, when people are used as things, instead of, instead of junior partners, I look at everyone, all of frontline workers as junior partners, because we need everyone to make this happen. Of course, the owner, it's a tremendous amount of work and risk to open a restaurant. And you're providing a great gift to dozens of people who work for you and for your community. So you should make a bunch of money if you run your operation well. But the junior, your junior partners, your employees are helping you. So they should, uh, they should make a fair living too, if you're bringing enough in enough um, uh, money. The impact is obviously that ultimately financially it's going to hurt these business owners. But how do we get business owners from the point where they are, you know, un perhaps unknowingly damaging their bottom line? I mean, UK operations uh, tend to have, I don't know, 2% net profits by the time they finish. Retention rate is double what it is in most other industries within the UK as well. So, you know, how do you get someone who is running a business like that? to flip it around mm. and to suddenly, because the investment into people isn't a quick return. There's not a good ROI on that initially within mm. the first month or so. It takes time. So how do you go about getting people to, to join that way of thinking? Oh, right. Uh, thanks. Uh, so, like, so, so, so restaurant owners can see it's in their best interest to invest in their people. That's, that's really considered an afterthought in my experience. Uh, you have the beautiful interior of your restaurant, you have your marketing, you have your menu, but oh, let's just uh, put out an ad and like just bring a bunch of people in, throw a bunch of people together and uh, maybe train them a little bit really quickly. 
and just throw them all together. So that's a really glaring oversight. Um, it, it's good for the owners because you're not going to have so much turnover and because it takes a lot of, it takes time and money to keep training new people. And also that's going to, that's a little, that's a little disruptive for your operation, always having new people in there. So, um, you're going to save money if you invest in the beginning to have a cohesive on point team and a, and a good working environment because people are going to stay longer. Also, if you have a good team and it's a good place to work, you're much, there's much more less likelihood for people to steal food, money, equipment. There's less likelihood that people are going to be so stressed out. They just bang the, bang the crap out of you, out of your equipment. And uh, so there's less uh, repairs. Um, also, less absenteeism because when you're part of a real team you don't want to let your these fellow human beings down you, there's a real connection i mean uh, i think if you want to go to your cousin's wedding or a once in a lifetime concert or something is special for you you should be able to take a day off if the operation is running smoothly people can take a day off more or less when, when they want to but there's gonna be less absenteeism because when you're part of a real team you don't want to let your co-workers down or or the owner because that owner is being good to you and so you're going to show up also when you have a very high performance, smooth running, efficient team where everyone knows what they're doing and it, the, the restaurant practically runs by itself. I mean, you're going to pay attention and oversee everything like you should if you're the owner. But if you had that kind of a restaurant, your, the quality, the food quality and service are going to be amazing. And there's going to be one other thing, a special ambiance. There's a special ambiance when you go to any place and people are working together as a team and they're enjoying it and they're enjoying serving you. At a very high level it's energetic and it's it's fun you can have a pretty good time as a customer when people around you having a hard time but not really you're going to feel a little a little sorry for them so so you have a high performance team it's going to be great for your customers and they're going to come back of course and come back why would they go someplace else when they come to this special place and they're going to tell their friends that they're going to bring their friends when they go out to dinner and so there you go that's going to be a big help when your restaurants are full in the weekdays, well, you're going to have a lot more money. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we always get into business to be able to make money. Ultimately, it's maybe for personal reasons, financial security. Um, Burnt Chef Project, you know, is, is no exception bar the fact that the business model, and I think this is where the blog businesses are going now, are running as social enterprises. We're here for the benefit of the community. You know, the money that comes out of it at the end isn't necessarily for, for myself, but still the principle remains. It needs to make money to be able to be self-sufficient to carry on. So it's an important prospect and it's an important concept for, for business owners um, and probably number one of business is to make more money. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, some of the perhaps the key footnotes from the resource that you've put together, the free resource that potentially might get someone who's new to hearing this for the first time quite interested in, in learning more. Great. Uh, now, I can tell you, tell you a few things, but it might not really make a whole lot of sense. It might not be hard to connect. How are those things going to really help me run my business, how, how, how to run a smooth operation? Because like I said before, uh, if, you're putting, if you're putting together a puzzle and you see one or two pieces, you, don't, you might think you know what the puzzle's about, but you don't know until you put all the pieces together. So there are 65 short videos, about, each video is about six, seven minutes long, and then there's text. So when you put, if you look at all, almost, almost all the videos, then you're going to see how the whole big picture emerges. Because instead of playing whack-a-mole with problems, 
And uh, you need whole systems change. And that sounds daunting. Whole systems change. Well, if you, if you invest like, I don't know, maybe four months of study and implementation of a new way, a better way of doing things, that's going to be a lot of work for you. Granted. <laughs> and people don't have a lot of time. That's going to be a lot of work for you. But how much work is going to be with your having a dysfunctional restaurant limp along being stressed as the owner being stressed out of your mind, everyone else being stressed out for the next four years, if you, if you even stay open that long. Of course, everything I'm, we're saying, I guess, everything I'm saying is post-COVID. <laughs> the COVID economic crisis is a different story. But if you can invest up front and then get your operation at a high level, all those headaches every, every day, every day, same complaints for years, you, you don't have that anymore. So, okay, I wanna circle back around to some, to some specifics, but just one more preface. If, you're, if, if some people's goal is to help the mental health of people just enough so they can function to perpetuate an unhealthy operation, an unhealthy system, that's one, that's one thing. I mean, good or bad, that's one thing. But it's a whole different thing to actually care about people. And you actually, one, it's not lip service. It's not just enough to keep things running. It's like, oh, my, my crew's having problems. I'm, I'm not making money. How can I make things a little bit better, just better enough so my operation can go? Okay, fine. But if you really care about people and you want to build, and it's not so hard to do, it's totally possible to have a real humane place that's dynamic and functioning and it's a good place for a human being and everyone feels good. Like, yeah, one another day, high, high five, another day, we knocked it out. It's totally possible to have that. And then you're gonna reap even better rewards. You're gonna make it, you're gonna make more money and bring in more income and be very proud of your restaurant and get rid of a lot of headaches. So I can talk about a few principles. It goes right to the very basic things of being a person. Physical politeness, sharing the space. These are the three things that I start out with, fundamental to restaurant operation or any operation. Physical politeness, everyone needs to go to point A to point B. Not just you, but everyone. And you're dependent on everyone else to be able to function. That's what cooperation is. Cooperation doesn't mean, hey, come here, cooperate with me. Do what I tell you to do. Cooperation means co with operate, the function. It means I'm operating, you're operating, we're co-operating. So everyone needs to go to point A to point B, a lot of time, usually very quickly, especially during the rush. So we want to share this space. There is a hierarchy of skills, knowledge, and abilities. Everyone's not equal. Of course, there's, there's hierarchy of skills, knowledge, and abilities through it, with everyone in the world and everyone in your restaurant. But there is no hierarchy of dignity. There should be no, we, we equate hierarchy of skills, knowledge, and ability with the hierarchy of who deserves human dignity. That's a huge mistake. There's no reason. Well, every single person from dishwasher to chef to owner, server, cook, prep, cannot feel like a human being at work. That's a new way of thinking. And like it said, like a fish is the last, the, the last thing to realize there's water because for, for a fish, water is everywhere. It becomes kind of invisible. So, so to treat everybody with human, everyone with human dignity, that's kind of like, oh, we can do that. So physical politeness, there's small spaces, no matter who you are on the hierarchy of your organization, pick one side, 
pick one side of the passageway. And if it's very small, just turn your shoulders a little bit. We don't need like, okay, here's a hierarchy. Here's the owner. And then everyone, everyone moves for the owner. Mm-hmm. You, 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 but if you're the dishwasher, no matter if you're carrying some big heavy pots or anything, you have to move. This is, this is subtle. You have to move. You have to give extra energy, time, and attention to compensate for everyone else who's above you. Maybe the owner, I know you owner, you have a lot in your mind. So there's, maybe you can consider that too. Your life is made a little bit easier the higher up you are because everyone moves for you. We need to share the space and we need to give everyone their, their human dignity, their, their physical as a human being. So everyone can be productive and move. So we're not creating a job. We're not creating an extra job for people. Here's from a job. And here's all the BS I got to deal with for my other job. I don't know if I explained that very well, but physical politeness, being aware, being aware of yourself, of your space around you, your environment, and being aware of other people and what's going on, being aware, being awake and flowing. We can off the whole organism can flow much more better if, if we give everyone the human dignity of sharing the space. Um, talking about human fluidity really and it's about the minor tweaks that perhaps we don't necessarily consciously look at on a daily basis but actually can make a huge difference to the general feeling the vibe and the way that a business operates as a as an entire organism yeah exactly and and if the entire organism is doing well that's helping you it's a workplace that works for all no exceptions Uh, that's perfect how you use mini synopsis of that yeah, so that's one phys- physical physical politeness, and also that has to do with mental health. Of course, if you're the um, if you're being dumped on all the time and you're working really hard too, that's that's psychological, and that's that's not good. It's just the minor tweaks, isn't it? Ultimately, it's it's the it's amazing how much load that having to consciously think about small things like moving out the way for someone based on hierarchical structure is draining. Um, we might do it subconsciously now. We might be used to doing it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it doesn't have an impact on our day-to-day well-being. Exactly. And, and, and I'm a realist. I, I, I like to think of myself as a realist. And I say in the, in, the, in, the, in the videos, I say like everything here, there's no like good sounding stuff. That sounds nice. Yay. But it doesn't really work in the real world. There's no room for anything that doesn't actually work in the real world because that causes stress. Oh, here's this great idea. And like, okay, boss. Yeah, but it doesn't really work. So I'm practical and I put it in there. There's sometimes when the, especially with anyone, they need to move and everyone needs to get out of the way because maybe there's a safety issue or there's some sort of urgency. And maybe the owner needs, the owner has so many things in their mind and that they have the whole operation on their shoulders. So, I mean, if if you're gonna, maybe you can say, look, when I enter the building, everyone's gonna practice physical politeness. But when I enter the building, just get just move out of my way. I got a million things in my mind. If you're going to do that, at least be honest about it. And everyone says, okay, got it. We all need to treat each other very, give each other physical, treat each other with physical politeness. Mm-hmm. But when the boss comes in, the owner comes in, he or she just needs to move. So just be honest about it. But, but, but also you can set the example of the owner and give, give, physical politeness to everyone but there are some situations where maybe the owner or the manager and you say look everyone move and this leads to the other thing the interview that cultivates clarity you need to be very clear and very specific what you expect out of your people and then what they can expect from you and that's and it's in the course uh the interview that cultivates clarity so without a shadow of a doubt as much as possible 
everyone knows what's expected of them and everyone knows that it's going to make a good place for them to work personally and for everyone so it's a they can people will buy into it and it's an easy sell because and but but the point is from the very beginning you need to really you really you need to really connect and say this is what we're doing and one of the things is physical politeness okay and it's interesting you touch upon interview clarity as well there's so many times there's there's whether it's intentional or not, but false promises, there's roles, certainly from a chef's perspective, where you are nine times out of 10, you're given complete free reign to put your menus and put your thoughts and you know, your passion and your creativity onto a plate. And then within a very short period of time, it becomes quite obvious that uh, actually you're, you're not there to, to fulfill any of those things. You're there to fulfill a role that's expected of you. And that's the role that the, the restaurant manager or the general manager wants from you, not necessarily what you've taken the job for. And that can actually, and I've seen it firsthand, that can lead people down a, quite a dark path uh, in a very, very, very small amount of time as well. So I totally agree. Interview clarity, not just with regards to sort of physical politeness, but I just think general roles, responsibilities, salaries, you know, be very clear with someone um, and at least make sure that they're the right fit for your business, but also that business is the right fit for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I had experience with that. Well, I, a friend, the same friend of mine, who's the chef who asked me to take my notes and make it into the, finish the manual. I helped him open up a kind of, kind of a pop-up restaurant for three months and it was a great success. People loved it. And that feels so good for us. You know, it's like, wow, they really just love what we're doing. And it was just for the summer. And uh, it was the genius of my friend, uh, chef Ashton Carter. And, uh, and I help with logis lots of log logistics and also just doing everything, that needed, anything, anything and everything that needed to be done. So it became kind of locally famous. Wow, this chef, Chef Ashton Carter is doing great things. And so we, the end of the three months pop-up um, kind of restaurants you know, ended. And I won't say the name, but it's a very famous place. It was made famous by a movie, the world famous. Everybody knows about it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention it. So they said, hey, Ashton, why don't you come over? They, they, they wanted him to turn around their restaurant. That was one of, one of the most, if not the most dysfunctional, dirtiest, insanely dysfunctional restaurants I've ever seen in my life. If you, if you, if you, you look in the walk-in, it's as if people took boxes of produce and just literally threw them in there. It sounds hard to believe, but it looks mm -hmm. like people just, maybe that's what happened. They just, and piled up high. So there's rotting food in the bottom. And if you wanted to go in there to find something, so I'll be back in 10 minutes. I'm going to go get an onion. Oh, it was horrible. That's just one little thing. And it was, and it was overlorded or managed by someone with zero restaurant experience. This person was in charge of the whole compound, the whole place besides the restaurant. So what happened? They gave him free reign. They said, look, you do what you want to do. Just just turn this place around, make it great like your place that you did. And Ashton, he couldn't, there really wasn't room to hire me except for a dishwashing position. So fine, I, I can knock that out. I can be a world-class dishwasher and I can help with anything else that needs to be done, no problem. And I love the fact of turning around a restaurant and helping my friend, even for the low pay. But they backtracked. All of a sudden, he, just like you said, all of a sudden he can't do, we can't hire or fire. There's many things that you can't do. And so it, that job ended, ended the day when I was um, 
I was doing lunch for the first time because uh, uh, I was doing everything, anything and everything. Okay, so lunch, I knocked out breakfast. This is my first lunch. I am prepared. I am prepared in all different ways, and I'm excited to make this my first lunch perfect, as perfect as I can. So like, uh, she's getting in my way, asking someone else to cook her breakfast that we've already closed up, and she's getting in my way, and, and there's not a lot of time. Of course, there's not a lot of time. And so I politely and said, you know, I, I need this space because inside I was like, oh, I, I don't have too much time. I have a lot to do. My first day, I'm going to nail it. I'm doing this for you for 10 bucks an hour as a dishwasher. Can you please get the out of my way, you moron? And uh, but God bless. God bless us all. I, I'm a humanitarian. So God bless everyone. I mean, there but for the grace of God go I. So, but then she said, so I said it nicely. It's like, I, I need this space. And she says, this is my kitchen, my kitchen. And so I said, I took, you know, a classic. I just took my apron off and I just put it down. And I said, I just said, I said to myself, I said to myself, there you go. There, there you go. Have at it. It's your kitchen. Have at it. That was, that was too long of a story, but it, to your point, yeah, that's an anecdote about to your point of with that. And that's horrible. Oh, but you really need to have, it needs to come from the owner. It doesn't, I mean, you can make progress, but you're not going to make that really, you, your, your organization, your restaurant's not going to soar unless the owner is on board. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it all starts from the top, doesn't it? Ultimately. And that's, that's it, it, good in that kind of operation. Yeah. I, I mean, if you want to have better, if you want to have more democracy in your country, uh, it's going to start from the bottom. Uh, but in a restaurant where it's a privately owned hierarchical thing, yes, definitely from the top. So what's, um, you've mentioned physical politeness, um, interview clarity was, came into that as well. What were the other, the other points that you mentioned? You said there were three, well, three points in total. Yeah. Yep. The, the, these, these are the first three, uh, I guess you could say it's the first core, but it's the first three that I, that I suggest that you, if you take the course you're going to write, if you take it the way I, you can use it, the course, however you want. But if uh, the way I set it up is you're going to write your own operations manual, custom tailor. You're going to use my operations manual as a template, but you're going to custom tailor it to your vision. It's what you want. If these things sound good, great. These things, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want it. No. And then you add your own wisdom and everything. So you're custom tailoring your own operations manual. What I suggest is there's a 20-week process. But if you're opening a restaurant, you can't train people for 20 weeks. There's a short and intensive training process for new restaurant openings. So you can open your new restaurant with a high level of smoothness. It's not going to be perfect, but it's not going to be a train wreck either. It's going to be a pretty, people are going to pretty, pretty much, it's all in the course, but people are going to pretty much know what they're doing and working together. So you're going to have a pretty smooth opening day. Okay. So from then on, for the next 20 weeks, you're going to refine, refine, refine. Or if you're turning around existing restaurant from day one, you're going to it's going to be a week, a 20 week process. So the first week is physical politeness, clear and concise communication and restaurant wide mise en place. So physical politeness, we got that clear, and concise communication. It's more, it's more, it's more compassionate and polite, but um, clear and concise communication is more compassionate and polite to be, to be clear and concise. When you're, when you're in a fast paced, complex environment, it's more compassionate and polite to be clear and concise. For instance, a server says to the line cooks, the chef, the line cooks, oh, guys, I'm really, really sorry, 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 really sorry. Uh, have you already started cooking? Have you already started cooking table number 17? They want to change your chicken to fish. I'm sorry, sorry. They asked, they asked really nicely. I'm sorry. I know you guys are busy. Sorry. Guy, it's okay? Thanks. Did I mention I'm sorry? Okay, thanks. I love you guys. Bye. 
That's that, that's an exaggeration. That's an exaggeration what happens, but it's usually a lot of apologizing and because they don't want the sh- the cooks to yell at them. So you say, mm. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm sorry to bother you. But what's happening? Two things are happening. One, that server is being kind. They're trying to be kind to you. It's part of its self-preservation, but they're trying to be kind to you. Like, I'm, I know you're busy and I apologize. I want you to know I apologize for taking up your time or asking you for a special request. So they're, 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 they're being kind to you. But the other thing that's happening is they're taking up your time and attention. And we need our time and we need our attention right at that moment for the 20 things that we got going on at that one moment. So you just tell people, educate people for the interview that cultivates clarity, which goes over every one of these points. During work-related conversation, if it's casual conversation, talk however you want, it doesn't matter. During work-related conversation, try to think before you speak. Clear, concise. Bob, yes. Da, 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 da. Got it. Especially during the rush. So everyone knows you're being nice to each other. You're being good to each other when you say, you say, Bob, yes, ticket number 42, change the chicken to fish. Heard. Boom. You can, it's the company culture. You know you can be direct with people because everyone knows that's going to help tremendously. How many times do we say what here, what, what, what in the restaurant or other places? And we have to say things twice. Get someone's attention first. Bob, yeah, da, 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 da. got it, boom. It works really well. Nice. So that's the second one. Good point. I like it. I like it, especially when, uh, well, we know how stretched time is. Uh, well, usually within two hours of most normal services. And uh, so to be able to get that time shortened and use it effectively is is a godsend really so um good point i like it and the third is amusing plus and also with clear and concise communication i mean if the physical politeness the clear concise communication at first when you don't really know everyone you're working with maybe you're a little bit more formal but after after you're a team after you're like, hey like we're, we're friends like we we get along and you can be a little bit more informal on in how you move amongst other people and traverse the kitchen, how you speak to each other. Again, casual conversation, talk, you know, whatever, do your thing, but work-related conversation. So we can be a little less formal as we get to know each other with, with um, traversing the kitchen and, and communication, but the essence remains the same. Whether you're, you don't know someone and you can be a little bit more conservative or, hey, we're all pals, we all go drinking. That's another subject too. Um, you know, we're pals. You can be more formal, but the essence remains the same. You need to be aware and everyone is being considerate, practical and considerate about flow, physical flow and communication. So it, it can be, a, it doesn't have to be this rigid thing. Just know the principle and then just use it however you use it, but keep the essence there of respect, respect yeah. from all towards all. Nice. Mise en place. We know there's, there's mise en place where you gather your, all the tools and food and everything you need to your station. So you don't have to go back and forth. You have everything you need to boom, 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 knock it out, get your stuff done. So restaurant wide mise en place means everything has its place. Dry storage, uh, the walk-in, front of the house, back of the house, brooms, mops, everything in the office. Where are your forms? Where's your ink? Where's your everything, every single thing. Also as a side note, if you don't, if, if you're using your restaurant as storage space, consider finding some other option like you know take it home with you or or get i don't know just get a little storage thing in the back of your restaurant if you can but try not to use your restaurant as a storage space where things are gathering dust and grease for years get that out of there 
You want a function, you want a Ferrari of a restaurant. You want a high performance driving down the Autobahn. You don't want, you want, you don't want all these obstacles getting in your way. All mental health, all of these little obstacles, death by a thousand cuts, communication, uh, traversing the kitchen, mise en place, can't find what you want. All these little things every, every, every day. So don't use your restaurant as a storage space. Get it out of there if you can. So everything has a specific place. It's like driving a car. When you're driving a car, you're focusing on what you're doing and where you're going. Everything is where you need it, when you need it. All the time. Steering wheel, shift, clutch, brake, radio, lights, windshield wipers. You don't even think about it. You're driving and you just, you don't think about it at all. It's all right there so you can focus on what you're doing and where you're going. Mm -hmm. Same thing for a restaurant. You don't want to say, you work and you say, uh, uh, where's the potato peeler? Uh, or where's that thing I need? I guess it's probably buried in dish under a bunch of dishes. I'll see you in 10 minutes. That just completely stops your flow. Even like little things that if I slow you down for five seconds in the middle of a very busy rush, it can seem like, oh. But so if you have to look for things every day, like there's, every day there's like several things you have to look for and you don't know where they are. And, and I explain a process how you actually can make this in, in a, into a reality. Because I know people use things and people things go back to dish so that are not always there. But it, I talk about in the course how you can 99.9% of the time have everything you know where it is, whether it's mm -hmm. in its place or whether it's in a specific spot in dish. Um, so, yeah. So when you're, when you're moving along, you want you want every single thing to be exactly where you need it. So you don't, you're not even thinking because when you're on the line, you just reach for the, you reach for the oil, you reach for the pans, you turn on the gas. You're like the, you're like the matrix. You're in the zone. You don't think twice about where anything is because it's all right there, hopefully. And that's the same thing with the entire restaurant. And that goes to the principle of knowing how your actions affect everyone else. And everyone will know beyond the shadow of a, shadow of a doubt as, as much as possible that when they work here, they're going to know every, where everything goes and they will return everything to its place. That's a requirement of working here. And that's going to make it, that's going to make everything a lot, lot better. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think the, the concept of mise en place is most people are familiar with, whether you're front of house or back of house, um, you know, so in its most graphic way, it's getting shit done ready for when you need it. Uh, but also, yeah. you know, eliminating your, the need for, moving too far or you know for too many things but it's a concept that perhaps back of house is definitely more familiar with um and if you had front of house and you had general managers and you had kps and pot washes and anyone like that who are on board with it as well it certainly helps the the smooth running of the the operation so it's a good point so i mean just sort of moving on then with regards to so we've done the sort of the first week of opening a restaurant for those out there who are looking at perhaps making some uh, some changes that will benefit the mental health and well-being of their of their staff, are there any or even individuals? Are there any tips that you have, either from your travels or from from this, that that uh, were useful for people trying to manage their own well-being? How do you manage yours? Well, you mentioned about like uh, personal like mental health issues, and I. I'm a stronger, wiser, better person. You know, I've grown a lot. So I have, so I have that. Well, I can say from personal experience is you can't, you, it's, you can't play whack-a-mole with things. You can't put a Band-Aid on a problem. Of course, we know this. There are some things you can do. 
but you really need whole systems, whole systems change. And that's, a, I can, I, I can just hear it in my own head, like whole systems change. Oh my God. I work 20, you know, 18 hours a day at the restaurant. I can't do whole system change. Well, then you're going to have it. I'm sorry to say you're going to have the same problems. You're never going to, never going to fix your problems if you just put band-aids on it. So you, you need to find some way to, you can go letter by letter, but my course, or you should adjust it how you want, but you're going to have to have whole systems change. Okay. What if you're a frontline worker and you're not in a position to implement whole systems change? Well, from personal experience, I just use all these things for myself. Physical politeness. How do I explain this? If you're, if you have the concept of physical politeness in a busy restaurant, but no one, but most, some other people do, but most other people don't, you're teaching everyone by example. And you might seem a little bit weird because you might have to adjust a little bit more as you're passing someone because they're not paying attention. They're just like walking down the middle of the thing. But eventually people understand what you're doing. It's like, oh, wake up. But even if people don't, I can navigate an unconscious environment physically much better if I'm aware, if I'm more aware. And I don't get stuck in these little power struggles. Very, a lot of it's very subtle and it builds over time, which is another waste. So you can use, anyone who wants to take a look at those videos, you can use those like I did. For example, here's another one. Step aside and think. Let's say you're getting overwhelmed. It's a busy, restaurants are very busy. So you step aside out of the flow of traffic. You don't, okay, you don't just you know, on the line or on in the back or in the hallways, you don't just say, oh, what, what was I doing? Like kind of flail, flail around like a squirrel trying to cross a highway. That's very natural. I've done that plenty of times. But what you want, first you want to get, step out of the way so everyone else can have free flow movement. You step, take a step to the side and just think. God forbid you, you stop. You stop for five seconds and just, Anyone, the chef can do it, the owner can do it, the dishwasher can do it, everyone can do it because everyone has human dignity. You stop and say, onions, that's what I came out back here for. Or maybe you're, you're in a rush and you're kind of getting behind and uh, your, your mental capacity, your men, mental capacities, you're not, it's not in alignment with your body. You're kind of not integrated. <sighs> Step to the side, think, okay, this, this, this. And then take five seconds or 10 seconds. And then that, that's a little investment that's going to help make everything else roll more smoothly. So there's a lot, if you, even if you don't have whole system change, even if you're the only person um, there, I mean, even, even if it's just you doing it, there's a lot of things in there that you can use for yourself to make, which I used, which you can, even in a very unhealthy environment or a moderately unhealthy environment, you can, you can be the matrix and you can... You might seem a little weird at first. People don't know what you're doing, but eventually it can help you. It can help you. And I, I kind of don't feel really feel, even feel like uh, mentioning a lot of specifics because no one or two or three is going to really help you. So, I, I mean, I would go to my free, I would point to my free course and says, take a look at that. And if you're a frontline worker, it can help you. If you're a manager and owner, there's plenty, plenty in there that can, that can help you. I, I can say some specifics if you want me to, but no. I mean, I think like if, if, as you said at the beginning, if it's a puzzle that you have to put together fully to be able to see what it looks like, then it's important that people follow that advice and and have a look for themselves. Um, you know, personally, and also, 
you know, something that we try to educate people on is is how much energy needs to be spent on self-development and learning and becoming a better person. And I think, you know, certainly within hospitality, there's such a skill shortage of people who move move up the chain quite quickly that they don't often get time to invest inside into themselves and to build their skill sets and learn new techniques and ways of doing things more efficiently. So, you know, to have free resources like yours on there, which people can then pick and choose certain aspects from or implement fully, I think it's ideal. And just explain to people, Joseph, where, where can they find this? Where can they find all the resources? Authenticteambuilding.com. I used to have a website, but I don't have the website anymore. Anymore, That will go straight to the YouTube. And there you get the free PDF, the text, and there are all the videos. Yeah, authenticteambuilding.com. Perfect. Thank you very much. Can I add one, one thing in response to your question? Yeah, go ahead. Is like, so what can people do? I, I will say this, and a lot of people already know this, but when you go into work, what you can do for yourself, every day is practice. Every moment is practice. If you're a dishwasher or anything, any, any position, you're focusing, all right, what did I learn yesterday? And do your best and focus and pay attention. And so you're not just, oh, I'm just working. You're figuring things out every day and refining and honing your skill. If you're a dishwasher, of course you can do it as a dishwasher. Dishwa great dishwashers are fantastic. Everyone loves someone who can wash dishes really great. So anyway, the point is, think about it as you can think it. Some people already think about it this way, but you can think about it as every day you're training. So a week from now, you've grown. So just focusing on the here and now, like like what you're, when you're cutting something, take a look at what you're doing. Ask ask around. Look at other people's techniques. You can uh, your your nice skills. You can improve everything. Everything you do. Every day, you can be improving. And just like lifting weights or getting healthy, it's a little bit hard at first, but like a couple months later, you're going to really reap the rewards. That's what any frontline worker can do or any manager can do or anyone can do uh, to have that attitude to, to, to develop every day, all day long. It's a good sense of control as well, isn't it, ultimately? Because you can actually, you've got a starting and an end point and you can measure yourself. And it gives you something to focus on, um, which I think is during these these critical times is, you know, it's essential. Um, so thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to explain the resource. And if you are interested, please go ahead over to authenticteambuilding.com, did you say? Yep. And you'll be uh, sent straight to the YouTube channel where these resources are free. Joseph, thank you very much, sir. It's lovely to meet you. Thanks, Chris. Likewise. Thanks to Joseph Workman there for taking the time to run us through some of his free training materials. I hope you found some of that useful. And for more information, please go over to his YouTube channel and check out his videos. And for us, that's goodbye. We'll see you in a week's time. For more information on the Bird Chef project, head over to our website where you'll find more about us, including merchandise and free resources. See you soon.